is High Motor by BetMGM. I am Andrew Dowdy. Chase Kitty is over there. It's NFC North Day on the show. You, sir, are clutching a Cleveland Cleveland Browns Super Bowl ticket, as you noted the other day. They are at plus 1,600 right now on BetMGM and Super Bowl odds. That is seventh tie with the Packers. They are only behind the Bucks, Chiefs, Bills, Rams, 49ers, and Ravens. Is 1,600 on your ticket? Or has this number moved? I haven't paid close enough attention to Super Bowl lines outside of them taking the Packers off briefly. But is 1600 on your ticket? I believe I have them at 1600 Yes. Let's look. Ravens are at 1400 Browns 1600 Steelers 4000 And then your Cincinnati Bengals down there at plus 15000 1600 Bam. There's also, I mean, you can do a lot of different Super Bowl bets. Any team from the AFC North, for example... Plus 550 to win the Super Bowl. And why I would not take that number, I'm curious if you would even consider it, is because you can have both the Ravens and the Browns at a better number. Like if you take two separate bets, Super Bowl bets on both the Ravens and Browns, 1400 and 1600, you're covered for both teams at essentially 650. You're making your own bet, Ravens or Browns, to win the Super Bowl at 650, which I still don't love, but I think there's more value there than taking the entire division at 550 because the Steelers and the Bengals aren't winning that division. So even if you want to include the Steelers and the Bengals, if you really want to, you're giving up 100 on the odds, dropping from 650 to 550, and I don't think that's worth it. And judging from your comments on, I think it was during the QB tiers, your comments on Big Ben, you don't think the Steelers have a prayer to really do anything this season? I mean, I, I think that's pretty harsh. But yeah, I don't I don't think uh, by the Steelers' standards, by their organizational standards, I don't think they felt great about last year. I thought they were kind of revealed as a fraudulent team like the Patriots were the, the previous year. And I think you're going to see a similar follow-through with this year's Steelers that you saw with last year's Patriots. In 2019, the Patriots make the playoffs. They go out in the wild card round. They lose to Tennessee. And then in 2020, everybody's kind of looking around like, uh-huh. and then I think that's probably what you're going to see to some degree with the Steelers this year as well. They have to play the division winning schedule with a roster that is older. It's really cool that they drafted Najee Harris, but. I think uh, concerns about the line that he's going to be running behind are reasonable. And yeah, I, I don't feel great about the Steelers this year. Uh, according to the Steelers sort of internal standards. And I think when you look at the numbers for this division where Baltimore's up at 10 and a half, 11, depending on what number you want to look at, Cleveland 10 and a half, and then Pittsburgh at eight and a half, I feel like that tells you something. The Browns haven't won this division since 1989. And that's when the Houston Oilers, this was the AFC Central at the time, the Houston Oilers were still in this division. If you're holding a Browns Super Bowl ticket like you are, how much of that is purely value at 1600 And how much of it is, you're just confident this is a great team, they're going to win this division too, because they're a plus 150 to win the North. Are you taking that number too? Uh, value did not enter the equation for me. And winning the division did not enter the equation for me. I am not necessarily convinced that they're going to win the the division. But what I look at when I see the Browns is that magical formula that we talk about often, right? 
We've got Baker Mayfield with a $900,000 base salary. I think his total cap hits like 10 mil, which is obviously a lot of money. But for the quarterback market, that's really not that much. You've got an elite pass rusher that I think most uh, really good teams have some sort of way to pressure the quarterback because the meta of the NFL has evolved into get a guy that can play quarterback and get a guy who can hurt the other team's quarterback, right? That's that's kind of where we've gone. And then I think the other element that's really important is I expect Cleveland's offensive line to be really, really good this year. I I saw some stats a couple weeks ago that, that I went and wrote down because I knew would be great for this episode, and I pulled them back up before we started recording. So if you look at the last five years of who had like the, the really good offensive lines in the NFL, last year, I don't know that it, anybody had a, a truly great one, but you could argue that the best one was the Colts, and you're thinking like, all right, well, the Colts, like I don't know, is... is is that really worth talking about? Like, they didn't have some great season. I would argue them playing Buffalo pretty close in a playoff game that they probably should have gotten blown out by with, like, a billion-year-old Phillip Rivers as their quarterback. That was pretty impressive. And I remember thinking after that game, we all kind of looked around and went, hey, that was that was pretty good, right? Like, that, I don't think we expected that game to be that close. I think it was because of Indy's offensive line. You go back before that, I think it becomes more obvious. You've got the 2019 Ravens. I, is that the year Lamar Jackson won the MVP? Partially because offensive line. 2018, Rams. Probably the best offensive line when you look at who they had and the money they invested in it, the production they had. Guess what? They went to the Super Bowl. 2017, no doubt. It was the Eagles. They won the Super Bowl. And in 2016, the Cowboys had such a good offensive line that five years later, we still think they have the best offensive line, even though it hasn't been the case for years. So when you look at what a good offensive line does for you, and you marry that with elite talent at defensive end, at awesome quarterback money, money relative to production, and then you start to talk about what they have at running back, what they have at receiver, what they have sort of scattered across the field. Yeah, that's what a Super Bowl team looks like. I get that it's Cleveland. I get that it hasn't happened in a long time. But the formula that I talk about, I mean, this is exactly what I want. So I went right after that ticket. Browns win total over 10.5, minus 120, under 10.5, plus 100. Make the playoffs, yes, minus 225, no, plus 185. I'm not drinking the Browns Kool-Aid like you are. But that doesn't mean I think they're going to be a bad team. And I think that minus 225 in the playoffs is, I don't want to call it a steal here, but I am more than happy to take that number because I mean, kind of like how we, we broke it down last week, talking about who's going to make the playoffs from the AFC South and is there room? Because with even if the Browns don't win this division, as we said last week, there are three spots, right? And we kind of said the loser of the Titans Colts, the loser of maybe the Dolphins Patriots, and then, like, whatever happens in the AFC West below the Chiefs, whatever the Chargers, Raiders, Broncos do. And then if you want to talk to the Steelers, but it seems like we're both on the same page that the Browns are just a way better team than the Steelers. I don't see where the Browns don't fit in that picture. Could some of those teams be better than the Browns, hypothetically? Sure, like, maybe the Titans could finish 12-5, and five, and then the Browns are sitting there at 11-6. and six. I don't know, but the point being is that I see a lot of scenarios in which 
the Browns could fit into this playoff picture, even if they don't win this division. And I think they're going to be right there with the Ravens for this division title. So again, who's going to who's going to drop out of those spots that would not allow the Browns to make the playoffs at minus two twenty five? I think this number should be higher. I think it probably will go up a little bit as people get into training camp and see all this mediocrity that's kind of floating in the AFC below those top five or six teams. Are you taking these numbers too? No, I, I I don't think I'm going to right now. I agree with your assessment that 225 feels a little light. I think you're probably right about that. But I, I already feel like I've got some exposure on Cleveland, so I'm a little hesitant to take more. But I might reevaluate that later. I mean, like you said, I like I said, I agree with you. I, I think everything you said is right. 225 is a little light. So maybe I, maybe I want to take an extra position, but I'm already leveraged. So. <laughs> So I have not had the best basketball season uh, in terms of the playoffs in the, in the NBA. I've talked about this before. I wanted to get back on track with just some nice, easy, low-volume kind of bets last week. So I started hammering uh, any team that was playing against the Orioles. It's been a pretty good strategy so far. And watching the playoff games this weekend, I came to a realization, which is Phoenix is the best team. It's... It, w- it just came together. It's not a traditional winner. I mean, they've had good teams before, but you've all seen the graphics at this point about all the teams left in the playoffs haven't either haven't ever won a title or their last title was like in 1967. So I get that it's a non-traditional power, but it, it just kind of came to me like, why am I looking around like this is some big mystery? They are dismantling everybody. Chris Paul is really good. I am not. I have been holding on to my Chris Paul stock for a long, long time, and this is really fun to see. Booker's a score. I mean, we were just talking about formulas for championships with Cleveland. Phoenix is following a very uh, successful formula for how to build an NBA champion. So I'm a little late to the game in terms of the Phoenix stuff. I've appreciated them. I wanted to see them win, but I don't know that I really truly bought into them as a believer. I'm a little late. The value is deeply gone at this point, and yet I still think I'm going to start either I'm going to take a position on Phoenix to win the title at even money, plus 100, which is pretty much right where the Bucks are too. They're right around 105. Uh, I'm either going to do that or I'm just going to roll my money over on Phoenix because they're going to win. I, I, it has... It is, it's obvious they're going to win the West at this point. The Clippers aren't going to come back from this 3-1 deficit that they're now in. And I think that they can beat Milwaukee in the finals. So I am taking a position on Phoenix to win the NBA titles. It's just, it's obvious. When you when you put down your biases and, and you go, hey, who's the best team? I don't think it's a mystery anymore. It feels like Phoenix is the team. Like I said, late to the party, lost a lot of value. Maybe should have taken a position on them earlier. Got absolutely screwed with the Philadelphia thing if you've been following all these picks. Just not a successful year for me for title futures in the NBA, but I do feel like Phoenix is the right horse to back. But didn't you, so I'm surprised by this, because didn't you take the Suns over this year? I did. But liking somebody as a regular season team, I feel like is a totally different thing than liking somebody 
as a title contender. No, I get that part, but that's why I'm kind of surprised that... I don't think I saw them as a team that was going to come out of the West Because they had a very modest total going into the season, right? Yeah, and you could tell in the, in the bubble games, because they kind of got squeezed out of the playoffs late in 2020 even though they didn't lose a game in the bubble. They just they were already so far behind. And then you added Chris Paul to that. You got another offseason in there. I think some of their role players, my guy Javon Carter, has done some good stuff for them. They've got a good bench. So it's just a lot of things are working out, but I didn't necessarily see them as well. They're going to overtake. You know, I the, the Lakers were such a bad first-round matchup for them, assuming that the Lakers were going to be at least like quasi-healthy. I didn't expect them to still be around, and I didn't want to be holding that ticket and then see them watch them get whomped in the first round because of a bad matchup. So I never really considered them, and then I don't think I readjusted my thought process going into the second series against Utah, or not Utah, against Denver, uh, because... I don't know. I, I think that was a mistake on my part. I, I should have recalibrated and, and reconsidered them. I just didn't. Uh, I guess that's why I'm surprised yeah. because, like, I know that you, again, you mentioned this when you took that Suns bet. I think you said it on the show a couple of times. You never at any point hinted that you thought the Suns were going to be this good, win the West, or potentially win the NBA Finals. But I, I guess I'm surprised that you didn't recalibrate, like you said, because you were on the Suns so early and you've been watching this team or keeping an eye on this team, even though they hit that win total like three months ago. I guess I'm just surprised that it took you this long. And I think that's where you're admitting the mistake because you have lost so much value off of this number. Yeah, it was definitely a mistake on my part. Uh, and, and I mean, in, in a month from now, I could be saying, hey, coming in late at a bad number was another mistake because the value wasn't there. So like you, there was no... There was no reason to take the position in the first place, and then it ends up being a loser. I, I, I just, I just feel like I really know basketball well, and I'm watching what they're doing, and it's like this is the best team. Like this, this is the best, most consistent. I'll take Monty Williams over Budenholzer from the coaching standpoint. I just like what they're doing. They're clearly going to win the West at this point. They need one more game. I don't trust the Clippers. I, I think Milwaukee can be up and down with what they get from, you know, I think Giannis has been really consistent this postseason, and I'm happy for him because I'm I'm happy to, to see that he's going to take less shit, hopefully. Uh, but, the like, Chris Middleton is really up and down. What Milwaukee gets from their three-point shooters are really up and down. So I think Phoenix is going to do this, and I will take it at even money. And once they actually win the West, I, I think the odds are going to adjust to a place where I'm not really going to want them. But maybe the marketplace is actually going to make Milwaukee the favorite, assuming that they can get by Atlanta. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe I I'm interested to see how the numbers shake out. Uh, but but right now I'm going to take a I'm going to take a ticket on the or on Phoenix. And uh, we'll, we'll watch how the rest of it plays out. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens because you kind of hinted at that when I asked you about the Browns' odds to win the AFC North. And you said you didn't necessarily think that, or it wasn't necessarily based on with the Super Bowl pick that they would be winning this division. The Ravens, I believe, are the only team on BetMGM with two numbers for their over-under totals. They have over 10.5 at minus 150, under 10.5, plus 125. Also available over 11, minus 110, under 11, minus uh, 110. And we've talked about this a couple of times 
I think it was the Colts, and then we brought it up with the Rams a couple of weeks ago. Instead of just waiting for that number to hit 11, because you're going to be paying 150 on that, quite a bit of juice on the over 10.5, they've already posted it at over 11 minus 110. So if you feel really good about the Ravens, at least hitting 11 for a push, but probably going 12 and 5, BetMGM already has given you the value on that, so you don't have to wait for that number. It seems like that's the direction it was going. Sitting there at minus 150, I'm not sure how much higher it would go, maybe minus 160 before uh, it went to just 11 on that number. But again, over 11, minus 110. And, and going back to what you were talking about with the Browns and having the stability at those key positions, the Ravens kind of have like half of that. And Mike Clay does a really good job of breaking this down where he'll every year, sending several times throughout the year, he'll do projections for unit grades and he gives a weight to each position. Like for example, quarterback is 26% of the grade, but running backs only 3%. Offensive line is 12%, but tight ends only five. So, so the key positions there, which I mean, don't surprise anybody, quarterback 26%, cornerback 10%, edge rusher 10%, offensive line 12%. So those key positions take most of the value uh, kind of in that full equation for the Ravens. Strong offensive line, I think, what, fifth or sixth best in college, fifth or sixth best in the NFL. Um, there is some issue at edge rusher, and that, that's kind of why I want to have this conversation with the Ravens, because it seems like there are more holes than the Ravens usually have when they're a team that is supposed to be this good. So if we're talking about a team that's 11 and 6, 12 and 5, that could potentially win this division. They're going to do so unless somebody steps up at edge and linebacker, which are two positions that they don't normally have issues at. They would be doing so going 12-5 and five with some major issues at edge, some major issues at linebacker, maybe some question marks in the secondary at safety. So the, the, I don't have a great read on the Ravens. I think the Ravens will be better than they were last year. I think last year's record was not an accurate reflection of how good this team actually was. They lost several close games several games in which I think they outplay the opponent. Because I don't have a good read on this team, and because I'm more interested in taking the Browns, for example, at minus 225, I don't think that taking over 11 at minus 110 the Ravens is a bad bet. But I don't know if I'm willing to take that number right now because I don't think that's going to move. I think that that number at, at over 11 minus 110 is going to be there up until week one. So I don't have to jump on that right now. So going to you, I'm curious if you just have a better read on the Ravens and how that factors into your love of the Browns. I think when you're talking about worries for specific position groups, I think you trust just the organization, the system, John Harbaugh, the, their talent development and identification teams. I don't have a problem saying, I don't know where it's going to come from, but I trust that somebody's going to do it. Uh, I, I think they they are in the select few number of teams where I kind of I'm just going to give them some credit and wait to be proven wrong. I think my concern with the Ravens is their schedule worries me a little bit. Um, they, it seems like it's not just that they've got to play a lot of good teams; it's when they play them. And I'll give you an example. We've talked a couple times about uh, like teams that play the Jets and like, hey, if you're playing the Jets in September, you're probably getting a win. If you're playing the Jets in November, December, I'm not saying it's a loss, but that's a tougher game because I, I think just the way the Jets, the situation they're in this year, 
You want to play them early. Later, they might have something going. They might be feeling a little confident. They'd be a tough out. The Raiders are like the, the opposite of that, I think, that we've seen in the last couple years. Like, if you play the Raiders in September, they're good. Like, they're, they'll beat you. They beat New Orleans last year in September. And I don't, I think if you lined up 100 people, the only people that say that would say that the Raiders were better than the Saints last year are Raiders fans. And sometimes it, it, you know, it's just a, hey, sometimes the better team doesn't win because there's a lot of games in this league. But it really felt watching that game like the Raiders were the better team. They, and this is, this is not a one-off. It's not like a one example I can give, and that's the end of the conversation. This is what they have been like under Gruden. They're really good early. They fall apart late. So the Ravens having to go to Las Vegas week one, that's not a great opening game. I don't know how I feel about that game. They're going to play Kansas City the next week. They're at Detroit the week after that. I'm not saying they're going to lose that, but I'm saying you got to go on the road again after you just played Sunday night. Then they got to go to Denver. They play the Colts. They play the Chargers. And then they play a divisional game against the Bengals. And then they got their bye. Like, that's a pretty tough opening seven weeks. And that's still with a lot of tough games left to go. They got to play the Rams at home. They got both games against the Steelers. They got both games against the Browns. They got to go to Chicago. They got to go to Miami. Like, when are they going to hit a groove? I guess that that's what I'm also struggling to figure out here. Like, when are they going to hit that point where they're either winning four straight games, they're winning three out of four games? Like, could that happen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they can beat the Chargers, beat the Bengals, beat the Vikings, and win at Miami, win at Chicago. That's what they I was can, looking at, too. Yeah. They could hit that, but there's... I feel like compared to last year and then also 2019, we didn't know how good they were going to be, but it's a lot easier to see, especially a team that has a number this high, again, over 11 is minus 110. For a team that has a number that high, it's usually easy to see when they hit yes. that group. But because of how this schedule is structured, I don't know when they're going to hit that. And they damn well better get these wins before late November into December because they get Cleveland Twice in three weeks, Cleveland, I believe, has a bye. I'll have to check that, but I believe Cleveland has a bye week 13. So they're getting Cleveland before the bye at home, before Cleveland's bye. Then they go to Pittsburgh. The Ravens go to Pittsburgh. And then they go to Cleveland the week after that, and they get the Packers. So I, I don't know where they're going to start rattling off all these wins. I'm not taking the under on any of these. I don't think you can take the under on the Ravens. There's just too much talent at key positions to do that. I don't know if I'm sold enough that they can get they can rack up that many wins. And I think like last year, this team might be better than their win total suggests. And I I don't know if that means that I'm gonna start looking harder at the Ravens AFC championship odds or the Ravens Super Bowl odds, but I'm just very skeptical of this win total. I think that the under eleven, which I think you said is like a split, it's like a one ten, one ten. Yeah, one ten split. Yeah, I mean that I don't think I'm gonna take it. But I I could see why somebody would. Twelve that's twelve wins out of those games on that schedule. That's a lot of wins. So I, I don't think it's crazy to kind of shade toward the Ravens under. And I think it makes sense when you think about the the more meta aspects of gambling too, because the Ravens are a public team. Everybody knows that the Ravens they win a lot of games in the regular season. Lamar's really really good. And uh, I mean, they've got a lot of they got a lot of playmakers. They've got a lot of really strong head coaching uh, voices and brains, and, and there's just a lot to like about that team. So it would make sense that Vegas positions themselves in a way where the under is going to be the ticket that ends up cashing. Uh, I just would be I'd be careful about that one. 
Are you taking any Ravens numbers? Not necessarily just them, but like, are you going to take a, a straight forecast where you have the Ravens first, Browns second, or Browns first, Ravens second for plus 240? Like, is there any interest in the Ravens here at all? I don't think so. Not right now. Uh, I would prefer to look at maybe the Pittsburgh numbers. I think even Cincinnati, I'm kind of interested in. I mean, Cincinnati, which we barely talked about at all here, is I just thought their choice, their choice at the top of the draft was so fascinating to me. All of the implications of we just got our guy we think is the franchise quarterback. Do we take an offensive lineman that we think is going to be really, really good that could be here for nine years and sort of just be the linchpin of this unit for the next decade? Or do we take a receiver that was friends with our guy in college? And I'm I'm being a little I've been a little unfair there because he's a great receiver, but that is what they did. And I'm I, I have expressed concerns about Joe Burrow, I think, in passing before, about hey, you know, I get that Joe Burrow was awesome that one year at LSU, but the history of guys who have one great year in college going to the NFL, it's not a long list that are successful. And would you be shocked if five years from now, Joe Burrow was like, you know, Cincinnati wasn't good and he was like an embattled Andy Dalton starting quarterback or he's the he's the backup somewhere else and the narrative on Joe Burrow's career is, Man, Cincinnati just too many got got sacked too many times. Uh, Cincinnati never protected him. You know, like I can already see that in the future. Looking back at it, like well, you're really you're really going down a I, a I, rabbit hole. But here. I, you can see that right because it's happened before. Kind of like well, Carson sure, I can Wentz. See like, that, but like the I, guy I was talented, but boy, they just didn't protect yeah, him. I, it's I, Cincinnati's I fault. I just think you're going a little bit off the reservation here. Sure. I mean, totally. Yeah. I'm I'm doing massive projection way into the future that has virtually no basis in reality. Uh and I'm not saying any of that has any influence on like the number I would bet this year. Like that would be ridiculous. But I'm just I'm fascinated. I say all that to kind of put into context the fact that I'm fascinated to watch this Bengals team for the next couple years because of like I'm I'm just really super interested in Joe Burrow as an idea. I'm interested in, in the quandary that the Bengals had there to go offensive lineman and receiver. I'm just really interested in this team and the fact that they're the clear number four in this division. Like nobody is arguing, well, actually, here's why Cincinnati's gonna win. Like I don't think anybody feels that way, even though you might really like Joe Burrow as a quarterback of that team. A few notes on that, and I'm gonna kind of play like both sides of the equation Please. here love that because everybody everybody knows of the clear four like I, I don't know if there's and even if you're high on joe burrow even if you think that they're going to be so much better in some key areas that they were terrible last year even if you like them before burrow went down the offense just cratered last year i think you can still say that the Bengals are the clear four in this division mm-hmm does that mean there's like a little bit of opportunity kind of how we talked about the jaguars finishing second in the south totally like everybody thinks the jaguars are the third best team in the south same deal there everybody knows the texans are just completely trash i think everybody thinks that the colts and the titans will be at the top of that division so the jaguars are very firmly ingrained in that third spot just like the Bengals are in the fourth spot does that give you some value then of not even saying like the Bengals are going to be good this year but 
one of these teams above them is going to crater and taking the Bengals to finish third, for example, at plus 675. Like that's the value bet here for the Bengals. If you aren't, it's not even like a bet on the Bengals. It's more so can Joe Burrow stay healthy? Can, I mean, this offensive line is atrocious. I mean, I, I referenced Mike Clay's rankings earlier. I think I still haven't pulled up here. So the Bengals, they're at, I think they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're dead last in offensive line. Again, that that's 12% of the equation, 0.3 rating on there. God, they're so not good in a lot of very key areas. They're horrible in the offensive line. They have average corners. They have really not any edge rush whatsoever. So they're really bad in a lot of key areas. So, But it's not even necessarily like a bet on the Bengals. It's just saying the Bengals are going to be about what they were before Burrow went down. And they weren't. Like they weren't that bad last year. They were year. interesting to watch. They weren't great. They weren't right. Terrible. Like they, they played Cleveland pretty well yeah. in Cleveland. That was week two last year. They played the Colts pretty well. They played Cleveland well again in week seven. They beat the Titans in week eight. And then after Burrow went down, the offense just cratered. Like I said, like they weren't terrible. So you're almost essentially saying, can can Cincinnati be? I don't know, seven and ten this year. I don't have the win total pull up, but I think it's either six or six and a half. It's can they be and seven? Half. Yeah, it's can over be... six and a half plus one hundred five, under six and a half minus one twenty five. So let's take just like seven and ten, which I don't think is out of the question, obviously, and the the book probably agrees with that. You're essentially betting, and I think that we're now saying that the Steelers suck because it's really hard to see either the Browns or the Ravens completely cratering to five and twelve. The Steelers going five and twelve. The Steelers going six and eleven. I don't think would be that surprising. So it's not even necessarily a bet on the Bengals, but the Bengals at plus 675 to finish third. I'm kind of intrigued by that number. I don't think you can find me seven wins on this schedule. And that's that's your problem. Because, uh, I mean, all right, maybe they win. So even if you, you're saying even if you get the crater from the Steelers. I don't, yeah, even if the Steelers suck, that doesn't mean they're more likely to beat, you know, the Chargers on December 5th. Like, I don't, I don't see seven wins on this schedule if they sweep the Steelers. God, they, the Bengals close. They don't even have an early bye week, but they close with Baltimore at home, Kansas City at home, at Cleveland. Yeah, and before that is going backwards now at Denver, <laughs> San Francisco, the Chargers, the Steelers. At Las Vegas. like that's, How many teams on their schedule on. are they better than? Like, they're a better team than um, how many teams? Detroit? Detroit, maybe the Jets. the Jets, maybe the Jaguars. How many, if we had the numbers, we don't have the numbers for every single week. Of these 17 games, how many games would they be favored in right now? Dude. One. <laughs> One. one. I think it's one. Yeah. I think it's the Jaguars, it's the at, Jaguars home. at home. I don't think they would be favored at Detroit. Well, they might be. They I think Detroit's getting They might. No, nah, it, it, that might be a pick em. That might be a classic pick em. And I then think the by book the likes time the team. we get to that game, the Lions might be a favorite. And by the time we get to the Jets game in week eight. So, like, I, I, I'm not going to take this number right now, but I am. I think if you're looking for value. Dude, like, you want to talk about scary? Jets Bengals on Halloween. Yikes. I don't know. Anything else in the Bengals? I have a couple notes on the Steelers, and I think we can... Let's talk on. about the Steelers, yeah. Give me give me your best Steelers pitch. 
I don't know if the Steelers totally suck. Like, that's it. I don't, I could see them sucking, but I don't think there's an argument right now, even though they cratered in the second half of last year. I don't think they totally suck. And taking the Steelers at plus 165, when you have a top one, two, or three defensive player in the NFL and TJ Watt, you don't have that many holes. I get that your offensive line is a challenge. We we mentioned that when they failed to address that. And we both, I'm sure we both like Harris. I'm going to bring him up for rookie of the year here in a little bit. He's not going to be a bad player, but when you have an offensive line, I thought the Bengals had the worst offensive line. Actually, Mike Clay has the Steelers with the worst offensive line. You're bad in a lot of key areas, like I just mentioned for the Bengals, but I also think there's just purely enough talent there to win nine games again. And if you're giving me plus 165 on the Steelers to make the playoffs, just based upon, I mean, you talk about, trusting the Ravens organization. I'm losing a lot of my faith in the Steelers over the last few years, but I still trust that organization enough. Kind of like the Saints. Like until I see the Steelers go six and eleven, I just don't believe it's gonna happen. I know that I'm playing a lot of different sides in this AFC North conversation, but I don't think the Steelers are this Yeah, somebody's gotta be bad, man. (laughs) Somebody's gotta lose some games here. But we think that's going to be the Bengals, right? Well, I mean, you the just Bengals said go you were f- looking at over six and a half for them. I didn't say I, I said they. I I could see that happening. Like the book is putting themselves there. So at seven and ten, I think that's a reasonable number. How, how, what is the argument for the Steelers just sucking their offensive line? Their and that's offensive it? line is terrible. They have an old quarterback who kind of publicly has said he's kind of over it. Uh <laughs> You and still have an elite defensive good. line. You still have Fitzpatrick in the secondary. Like, your secondary doesn't suck. And they They're just took good a running enough. back in the first round, didn't they? I, mean, I don't even... Yeah, that those are all reasons why they're not going to go 12-5. and five. Like, that is not happening. But the Steelers can still go 9-8 and eight and contend for a playoff spot. Like, that is very, very reasonable. And if you're giving me 165 on this... You think I they're going to beat Buffalo? Do they need to be Buffalo? Why no, do they need I'm, to be I'm Buffalo? Just, I'm just asking a question. Do you think they're going to be Buffalo? No, and we're going to get to our AFC East episode. Do you think the they're going to win at Green Bay? No. You think they're going to beat Seattle? Home or away? Home night game, Sunday night. 50-50. Think they're going to win at the Chargers? Give me a record prediction for the Steelers. Think they're going to win How at bad? the Chiefs? No, we're done with it. How bad do you think they're going to be? Uh, like eight and nine kind of kind of situation. I think that's right. a pretty good so number. Not that not that far off from what I'm I, saying. I think eight and a half and is the exact right number. I think the book nailed this. I would not want to bet this, but I, on principle, I would shade toward the under because I don't think this team is all that good, and I think they're the third best team with some pretty critical problems in a very competitive division. But you're making the argument for me by saying that the book nailed it at eight and a half. Yeah. If they go nine and eight, they're right there for a playoff spot and they might make it. And you're giving me plus 165. I'm not taking this number at plus 120 or even money, but plus 165. I think there are more interesting. uh, If if you want to take a, hey, you know, like I kind of like them as a sneaky playoff team that could get in there with a with an okay record. I just think there are more interesting opportunities than Pittsburgh at plus 165. Like, I would rather have the Jaguars to make the playoffs than the Steelers. I think the number's better. 
And I think the, like, I think the, uh, this is going to sound weird, but I think you're going to know what I mean. I think the stars point that way more, like in terms of like the markers of success and how a team trends. I would rather hold a Jaguars ticket than a Steelers ticket this year. And we might get to the end of the season, and that is a dumb thing to say. The Steelers are, you know, 10-7, and and they're not very good, but organizational momentum propels them to a decent regular season record, and the Jaguars are the Jaguars. So I might be an idiot for saying that, but that's just kind of how I feel. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising, like you alluded to. I think you did you compare them to the like the Patriots, kind of that situation. Yes, yeah, the Steelers exactly could go like six and eleven. Big Ben's done. They draft Spencer Rattler or the kid out of Nevada, Carson Strong, and then they're just moving forward with either Tomlin and they're kind of rebuilding on the fly. Like that's why I'm not super excited about really anything in this division. But again, one sixty five, there is value there. Really quickly, Harris for Rookie of the Year. Plus six hundred is a freaking steal. He's gonna he's gonna tote the rock so many times this is year, it? and I don't think it's going to be that many negative game scripts that's gonna work against him. That is a bargain at plus six hundred. I mean, is I get Trevor Lawrence, and I understand that he's gonna put up numbers. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't, I don't. I, I just don't, don't know how good that Jaguars offense is going to be. I think that the volume is going to be there for Harris because he went into the season as a household name. He went into the season as, yeah, this guy is going to be our RB1. He's going to get 20 carries per game. 600? Are we just done with the show? Or <laughs> I was hoping you would cut this part out. I'm looking up rookies of the year. 600? Like, why? So, I, I was wondering what the last time a running back won rookie of the year, and it is more recent than I thought, so I'll give you that. Who who won it? Who's the last one? Saquon in, in 18. Oh, all right. Uh, and then Alvin Kamara in 17. But I think the thing you have to acknowledge about both of those guys is they are not straight downhill running backs. Like, they're deeply involved in the, in the passing game. And I don't see schematically Pittsburgh throwing it to Harris 90 times over the course of the season. He doesn't so, need 90 targets to win rookie of the year. Is it just, is this Trevor Lawrence and that's it? Like that's the issue I, you have with this. I bet. would not go against Trevor Lawrence with urban Meyer rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. That, that is not something I would do. I think his numbers are just a little bit flawed because for example, they have Trey Lance at 700. This guy might not even take, snap he might not even year. play this year. Yeah. Justin Fields at 800. I'm like, if you think he's going to start by week three or four, I'm I'm generally fine with that because I could see him putting up a lot of numbers, a lot of rushing numbers this year. Yeah. But still, like going into the season, I don't know if he's going to be their week one starter. I have no idea what that Falcons offense is going to look like. So Pitts at 800 scares me, and the Jets offense might still suck with Zach Wilson at 900. So I think that if you're looking for value here, I don't think Lawrence at 300 is a bad bet at all. But Najee Harris should be higher than 600. Uh, I disagree. I think his yards per carry is going to be very average, if not below average. I think you bet Lawrence unless if you really if you are very confident that Aaron Rodgers is not going to go back to the Packers, then I assume what's going to happen. If you if you're like I'm living in a world where Rodgers is going to get traded, I would think that the 
gentleman running the franchise in Chicago would look around and go, wow, this division is wide open. We got to get Fields in there week two. And it's going to be Justin Fields, let's cook. And if the Bears win that division, now I think he's in the driver's seat for Rookie of the Year. Otherwise, I would think it's Lawrence with a bullet. And I don't think Harris is really going to be that involved at all. In in the Rookie of the Year conversation. Obviously, he's going to be involved in the Steelers offense. One dart throw if you want one for Rookie of the Year. Rashad Bateman at 5,000. I think there's a little bit of value there if you want to throw a couple of bucks on that. He's a player that I don't think the Ravens have had in a while. And even though rookie receivers, it's a mixed bag working into that offense, I think that there will be volume for him there. And if they can figure out a way to use him correctly, I think you're looking at a thousand yard season from him. There's just a lot of traffic ahead of him. That's kind of why it's just a dart throw uh, for a couple of bucks if you want to have some fun. Anything else in the north? Negative. We'll be going to the AFC East on Thursday and then no episode the Monday of 4th of July weekend. So we'll come back with the AFC West on Thursday, July, I think it's July 7th or July 8th. And that will wrap the NFL divisional previews. If you didn't catch any of them, scroll back in Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you're using. NFC is in there. And then again, AFC East coming on Thursday. AFC West on the following Thursday. Thanks for dropping by and listening to High Motor by BetMGM. MGM.